I'm losing. I'm losing steam. Woo! Hello. Woo! PJ. Turn us horizontal. Can you turn us horizontal? Better. Dude, why the fuck isn't why is he why can't you see both of us now? I don't know. I can't see you guys at all. Do you have your phone locked or something? Because mm. usually when people turn their phone horizontal, they can see both of us. Yeah. Oh, uh, there it is. Oh yeah. There we go. There right. we go. Maybe you turned it the wrong way horizontal. Is that nah, weird? Is that... I- iPhones trying to play it. games. I had it locked. That was it. iPhones are always trying to play games. Yep. PJ Nestler, welcome to Menace and the Man. Glad we finally got this configured. So PJ Nestler, yeah. for the people at home that don't know, uh, he went. He I would you know he trained professional athletes of all sorts. He mainly or enjoyed working with uh, MMA or combat sports athletes the most. And now he is an XPT like professional coach for Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese. Is that, was that a proper intro? Uh, yeah, well, I'm the director of performance for their company, so I don't okay. train them specifically, but I, well, I, know that. I work well, with yeah. them. Yep. Yeah, of XPT. Yep. Yes. When I read up about you, I've seen you worked with Major League Baseball players, I think NHL, NFL, like all at the top levels on top of working with some UFC guys, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I work primarily with MMA, NFL, and NHL, and, and then and I jiu-jitsu. work with a handful, a lot of jiu-jitsu as well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And now, what is it mostly? Um, what what type of stuff are you doing with these guys? Anything that would boost physical performance outside of technical skills. So my job was to get them figure out what they need, and then help them get bigger, stronger, faster, more mobile. Help with mindset stuff. Anything I could do, except for teach them the technical skills of the sport. And uh, so, I would take a lot of stuff I would do with you, and I'd run it back to. Uh my personal trainer and like, you know, things he said that I think you would agree with is like for professional athletes, like let's say you were a professional surfer or a professional MMA fighter. Like the training you would have them do isn't that much more crazy. Like crazy. It's not like that much different in terms of the different sports or in terms of them versus a normal person. Well, no, like, like let's say like my, what something uh, uh, a routine you'd put me to me through wouldn't be that much different than maybe a pro surfers, which is a totally different sport. Yeah, you find that about eighty percent of the things are are very similar because athletes need to be able to exert force. They need to be able to move well. They need to be able to manage their body in space. They need to be resilient to injury. So a lot of it is is very general, and especially you get athletes of different even at the highest level, they, what you tend to find is you assume that the higher levels you continue to work with, that these guys are going to be so much more dialed in that now you'll be able to really specialize, but you find that they've had mixed training backgrounds, especially in a sport like MMA, uh, you know, in particular jujitsu where they've had, they didn't come through collegiate athletics and professional athletics where they had real strength and conditioning coaches. So you find that you're spending a lot of time cleaning up, all of the issues they've created over their athletic career and then hopefully getting them to a solid baseline, building up some general capacities. And then you can start to really specialize uh, once you get a little more specific. Right. I mean, but like, like you said, 80% for like, for example, like me training versus like an NFL player, he's going to do a lot more 
quick sprinting stuff and be ex way more ex like you probably primary work on power and ex and uh, like explosion versus me. I need I need a that too with a combination of cardio. Yeah, I'd say the big difference is they don't need nearly as much of the the cardio. But even for you, a lot of the stuff we did when you came out was very similar to what I did with running backs, wide receivers, because they had to be strong, had to be explosive, but all relative to their body weight versus like a lineman, those guys need to be able to move a lot of weight. So they would train a little bit different. They need to be really, really strong, not necessarily as springy and explosive. Right. So uh, an MMA fighter or B Brazilian jiu-jitsu player, I don't, I don't call those guys fighters. Practitioner. Yeah. Player. Um, so some people really try to get cardio by doing these sprints and maybe long runs and, and versus I know some strength coach are like, yo man, get your cardio doing your sport. Get, get your cardio doing what you do. Like in your live goes and, you know, work on just your strength and, and technique here. And then some coaches are like, yeah, we're gonna get strong here and we're going to fucking hit some cardio here too. Like, yeah, it depends on, on the athlete, I think, because ideally, if you can get your conditioning in your sport training, that's the best scenario because it's going to be the most specific and you're going to train all the energy systems that you need. But what I find is most sport coaches don't understand the physical performance side. Uh, they, they understand the sport development, but they don't understand the, well, let's make sure that this mimics exactly what they're going to be doing in the fight. So for example, most jujitsu athletes I worked with they go do their cardio in their training, but what they're really doing is five or 10 minute rounds with like 30 seconds or 60 seconds recovery. That's not the reality of a jujitsu competition. So you're not training the body the right way to prepare yourself to compete. So if, same for MMA, if you go to an MMA gym and you're just doing 10 rounds of sparring, you don't fight 10 rounds. Right. So if you can understand how to prepare the energy systems the right way, you know, if I was working together with the sport coach and saying, hey, on Friday's practice, I want to make sure we're going five hard rounds and they're perfectly set up so that we're taxing his uh, his energy systems properly, that'd be the best way to train. But the the reality is, even in sports like the NFL, where they, they're a lot more, uh, they've got coaches in every area that are well communicating, a lot more of a team approach than an MMA, most MMA uh, fighters it's still it's still pretty scattered. So a lot of times the strength and conditioning coach will have to do more conditioning. But for me, I I rarely did conditioning with most of my MMA athletes because that was something they were just doing so much of all the time in right. everything they did right. that we just – you can't just keep pouring water into that cup and hope that it's going to keep filling higher. Right, and that's one thing I remember not necessarily talking about you, but you just said, and I was like – and Andy Gallopin touched on it as well, is like MMA fighters have this tendency of just like every day, 100% kill myself. <laughs> Overtrain. And then Andy's like, dude, that's CrossFit. That's what CrossFit is, is, you know, a four-day competition of killing yourself for four days. Like you have to fight one night for 15 minutes. Like let's make your weekend. And I remember talking to you and me and you went over a few of my, you know, 
we we had some FaceTimes where, yo, I want your training to be like this, this, this. You made a nice YouTube video on how to do it, how fighters should maybe consider doing their weekly training in terms of um, – the thing is, is – is, and I, I know Andy had talked about this too. Andy Gallopin is the head uh, exercise – head, head uh, of exercise science at Cal State Fullerton, right? Yeah. He's a professor and a researcher. Yeah. Um, is uh, – Cause I know he wrote a book on like using too much technology. Um, but where do you stand on measuring? Cause I mean, like if you ask me, Hey, you tired today? The, you know, the meter might say like, you're good to go, but I feel like dog shit. And then there, there's that reading or like, you'd be like, Hey, how hard you go today? I'm like, uh, I think 80%, but maybe it was more towards, 95 i don't know or the other way 75 you know i don't know well even we talked about that with phil derue where sometimes you'll see the reading and the mma fighters have that mindset of you know what don't be a pussy or someone will be like yo don't be a pussy you're training today you know yeah and you'll overtrain that's what we're talking about right, right now right yeah so the question is what, what do i think about yeah, using technology yeah yes how do you how do you read someone's i i, I know you had me jump on this pad and i was like and you're like all right man you're fucking ready to rock and roll. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, I use a lot of different things to try to, to solve that problem. Uh, there's a lot of different technology you can use. The thing that we were doing specifically was looking at different type of jump heights on the, the jump pad because I was fortunate to have that. And it's a good indicator of uh, your neurological readiness. So if you, know, if you came in and you had a 35-inch jump when you were at your best and then you came in to me and your jump was 31 that day. And we did a, a few different jumps to look at some different numbers. Yeah. That would be a good indicator to me that your nervous system was not ready to exert maximum amount of speed and power. So that would just allow me to adjust. It doesn't mean we wouldn't train, but if the goal was we we're doing a bunch of plyos and we were trying to be really fast and explosive, we're actually probably going to get slower that day. Cause you're going to be not as explosive. Um, but what I found was you know the question being able to ask the right questions it usually tends to be the best i mean i used heart rate monitoring heart rate, heart rate. Yeah. i used hrv monitoring i used a what's cns HR, tap what's test H, what's hrv hrv is heart rate variability so it, it's a measurement that you take i so i used regular heart rate where you woke up take your heart rate every day and they had my athletes send it to me and i look for changes in that but a lot of things can create changes in that uh and my fighters would send it to me once to twice a week instead of every day. Yeah, so it didn't yeah. help out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, HRV it basically measures the um, variability between heartbeats and a really high variability means a really um, high level of homeostasis or readiness. So if you were to measure your HRV and you had a score of 80 or 70 for the day, that would indicate to me that you were, your body was stressed. And then I'd look back at, okay, well, you sparred yesterday, your HRV is 40. Maybe we need a recovery day, not a high intensity day. Um, but those are expensive and you have, you know, every athlete has to buy them. And that's what a lot of like professional teams will use because they have the resources. Right. Uh, so I used the jump test for a while and it helped me out. But a lot of it was just to put some pieces together. I tried to get like three data points. So if I knew your heart rate, if I looked at your jump and then I asked you how you felt and what you did that day, I'm looking for a few of those data points to match up. If, if you said, Hey, I think I'm good. I'm ready to get after it, but you kind of looked fatigued. 
and then we did the jumps and you were pretty slow on the jumps. Then for me, I'm like, okay, we need to pump the brakes a little, but like you said, you can't just ask, Hey, how do you feel? Cause what you get every time is good. Ready yeah. to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cause I, I remember like when I was training and stuff like that, like if someone was like, Hey man, like maybe shouldn't do today. I'd be like, oh, like, like, thank you. Like, cause I wasn't going to say it. And I remember sometimes like feeling like real shit, but just like trying to do my best and almost like not acting, but like, I just couldn't fucking kind of do it where like I'd get punched and like, I'd be slow. I'm like, stop. Like you good dude. And I'd be like, yeah, like just let me. Well, that's even what we talked about with Phil Daru. You had people around you and it's just a habit of MMA fighters and coaches and whatnot where it's like, nah, you're fu- You're good. Get out there. You're good. You don't need a you don't need a rest day. Today's training day. But like I mean, I, I think I think the East Coast like mentality kind of is way different than West Coast. Hundred yeah, percent. You know, yeah. I mean, you use so many different you know data points, and you really keep in contact with your guys. And and I I mean, I was on the East Coast, and me and and PJ were sending back texts and like, hey, here's how I feel today, and da da da, and what do you think, and. You know, and even from across the country, I got really valuable information. Yes. You know? Oh, Menace has always sung your praises, PJ. And even right before we got to you, we were talking to Pat Cummins, how you guys actually linked up. How he met. And he was saying there's only a handful or so many people that he thanked and owed his professional career to. And you were one of those guys. Yeah, Pat. Pat's a special athlete. But I, I think to your point, Dennis, uh, it is a very macho mindset in that sport. So. I think one of the things that I, I tried to value a lot is I, I would see people who'd say, you know, oh, you, you shouldn't be training. Oh, you got this injury. You need to take a week off. And like, that's just not going to happen. So what I tried to do is make sure that the athletes understood that I get that it's about being tough and I'm never going to take that away from you. So I would never have you walk in the door and be like, oh, dude, come on. You're, you're pretty slow today. Why don't you go home and just sleep? I'd be like, hey, man, here's what we're going to do. Come over here. Uh, so today what I'm going to do, what I want to do is I want to adjust this, this, and this. And I, I want you to leave here really feeling great. And I would just try to take this like kind of professional prescription approach where the athlete felt like I wasn't taking something away from them. And I wasn't saying like, oh, you're a pussy. Go sit on the foam roller while we go train. Um, you know, I just try to make it seem like, hey, this is a part of the plan. And like you said, they knew when they needed that. They just didn't want, they didn't want me to say, well, how do you feel today? You, you want to just go home if you, are you that tired? Cause then they're going to feel like they're soft. But if I'm like, if I'm saying these things like, Hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to work on your mobility. I really want to open your hips up today. Cause we, right, we haven't had right. time to work on that. This is a great time. We can spend some time doing that in their mind. They're going, Oh, thank God. I'm like, doing something. Uh, I wasn't ready to get after it doing conditioning today, but I'm glad. I'm glad that we're doing something and, and, you know, they can kind of tell themselves that this was part of the plan. Yeah. Um, and that's something I found that worked really well with MMA athletes. I've always loved when I like had the, in my head, like, Oh fuck, I'm going in here. This is going to be hard. It's going to suck. And then they're like, Hey, we're going to take it easy today. Like want to play dodgeball. I'm like, well, yeah, like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I want to like, you know, just like do rub downs or play, you know what I mean? Like, when I was wrestling in college, like that was the best. But when like you don't feel like doing anything, and then you get in like, all right, today's gonna be super hard. You're like, Phew. it like takes you even like deeper. 
Because you know it's going to be. And hang on. Very weird. There's been like multiple times where I felt like shit and then had some of the best practices ever. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what that like. Maybe because I was like fucking 19. No, probably. No, that happens. I mean, like you said, with I've had guys who come in and they're like, I didn't sleep well last night. We, you know, we ended up sparring this morning. We weren't supposed to. So in my head, I'm like, okay, I got to pump the brakes. We're, we're going to make some changes. But I test out their jumps and they're super explosive. And then I'm like, why don't we get warmed up and we'll see how we feel. And we'll just kind of go through and we'll do this and this. And all of a sudden we start getting warmed up. I'm like, man, I'm feeling strong today. Yeah. Can, I, can I go a little heavier on that? So, you know, the the mind and the body are, are not a perfect textbook. And that's why you can't just rely on, well, your HRV says this, so you're not training today because – you're going to have those outliers on both sides of the spectrum. So you right. got to under, that's where the art comes into, you know, kind of putting this science into practice. Yeah. The, the two things that I like, like digital stuff that I used for my training that I thought were really good is I, uh, I use a sleep app on my phone or I had the, the watch. So mm-hmm. I had like a sleep app on that just to see how my sleep was. Was I up? Was I moving? How many hours of sleep did I get? And sometimes if I was like, you know, only got like six and seven, you know, and and three hours were shit. Like, all right, whoa, all right, let's see. Um, and I check my my resting heart rate, like uh, my sleeping heart rate. Yep. If it was higher, because I fucking busted my ass the next day. Like, all right. Um, and then the the UFC the the U the UPI gave me that. Uh, that fucking thing you put on your forehead and your palm, and it tells you your yeah. readiness to be able to train. Um, that actually, for me, was actually kind of spot on. But I know for my buddy, it was like way off because he has an enlarged heart, and me and him have different uh, like muscles. Like I, when I go, I explode and I fucking empty it. So yep. I think it was easy for that to detect it. Where he's like a longer. Not as explosive guy where, like, he could go very hard and fucking tax his lungs, but, like, his muscles maybe were – he was like this where I was like – you know, and the main, yeah. maybe the, the calories we burnt were the same, but, like, it would be saying he's ready to go, but he's like, man, I feel like shit. Yeah. You know, which could fuck with your brains. Yeah. You know? That thing that, – that's an HRV monitor, what you're talking about, the Omega Wave. Yes, the Omega it, Wave. It measures some other things too, but it, it's an HRV okay. is one of the key data points on that. But I was pretty – and it was weird because sometimes it would say like – I would my, in the morning it would be like, you're pretty burnt. And I'm like, all right, let me take it easy. And then maybe I'd hit like a hard workout, like a, like a lift or something like that. And then it would be even better at night. I was like, that doesn't – that's weird. Maybe the, the workout yourself kind of primed your nervous system. You know, like yeah. kind of. Okay. Sometimes you sometimes you come in and you you do. I mean, we would do sometimes a, a a pretty high intensity, not crazy, but pretty high intensity lift before we did some other stuff. And people think, well, I don't want to do heavy deadlifts before I'm about to go do jumping and sprinting. But the reality is, it sometimes it takes your nervous system and everything to get woken up. So you got to. You've got to feed it some higher intensity input, and then all of a sudden it's ready to start firing at you know a hundred percent when it was only at seventy percent before. Right, and then also I was you know in fight camp, so my nutrition was like on point. Could that have any uh, 
effect on why you know like poop in the morning at night like yo you're you're good to go if you want to train again yeah you're probably getting fueled up throughout the day you know maybe something just with your sleep cycles as well you just were someone that the morning wasn't your most ideal time and you you know start to peak later in the day I, i think actually the ideal time now they're saying based on circadian rhythms and stuff is actually closer to like three, four o'clock for training. So that could be where your nervous system and everything started to wake up more. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff like that that can be a factor. Is there truth that your testosterone is highest in the morning? Yes. Your testosterone, I believe is the highest in the morning. Although that thing I was talking about, about training around three ish, I can't remember why that is. Uh, it probably helps with your sleep later. Yeah. You know, it's a good question actually. Cause now that I, I think about it, your cortisol is highest in the morning and cortisol and testosterone have an inverse relationship. So tech, usually when your cortisol is high, your testosterone is low. So I don't know if testosterone is highest in the morning. It's something I believed, but I don't know if it's actually true or not. Cause I remember in college and we'd be like lifting at like six, six thirty in the morning and like, I don't know. Someone was like, dude, this like, why are we like lift in the morning? You know? And the coach was like, it's when your testosterone is the highest. Like, don't be a pussy. Fucking lift the weight. Yeah. No, not lift. Move the weight. That was his yeah. thing. Move the weight. I don't care how you do it. Move it. Yeah. I think I, I think I believe the same thing from probably college football or something. And now that you mentioned that, I, I don't remember ever seeing any research to back that. Uh, your cortisol is highest in the morning though. And cortisol is stress hormone that would give you energy to, to train. That's what wakes you up. Huh. Um, but, and then your maybe it would be better because your testosterone would start to elevate later in the day as your cortisol goes down. So like it would stimulate. Re- yeah. Maybe that would stimulate recovery better, which is the thought process. But the reality is there's, there's no perfect science to the best yeah. time of day to train because people have different cycles. People have different times. Their body's optimal. You know, there, there is such a thing as morning people and night people and, you may be a person whose system is most optimal at 7 a.m. And I may be a person who's most optimal at, at 11. Yeah. Well, here, quick, before we lose you, PJ, we know you have another uh, conversation you said you had to get on. Are you working with particular gyms? How do you find fighters? The fighters find you. How does that work out? Uh, well, I'm not working with any fighters right now. I just I do a little consulting, but I'm not actually training people in the gym anymore now that my role is kind of transitioned more into education. I'm not, this is, you're looking at my, uh, my office these days, but when I was working with a lot of athletes, uh, most fighters would find me through fighters I was working with. Uh, Dr. Galpin was a good resource for me. I you know a lot of fighters would reach out to him looking for training and he's a scientist, so he wouldn't do the training himself. He would help them find people. So he would refer a lot of guys to me. Uh, that's how I got connected with Pat and Kylan and then ended up getting connected with Dennis and um, a handful of other athletes. And then from there, it was athletes kind of talking to each other. How long have you been in this new role that you're in? Uh, I've been working since 2017. I've been working with XPT. And then now I work with uh, the parent company of XPT. So I'm actually working with a handful of other uh, pretty exciting brands. Some of them with fighters that I can't mention yet, but um, some pretty exciting stuff. But most of my work with the individuals who are training to compete is more consulting. I have a few fighters that I talk to here and there and help them plan their training camps. I've got some guys who come over to my house and do recovery sessions like saunas and ice baths and breath work. Um, 
and and we work on mindset stuff because that's a lot of what I've been digging into with with XPT. Um, we've been working on mindset and understanding that from elite athletes as well as elite uh, special forces operators. So I've been taking a lot of those lessons I've been learning and distilling them and trying to teach them to some of the athletes I consult with. Because I mean that was, that's the last thing I was going to get into. I mean it's not signed. There's no way to measure it, but like. I remember meeting with you and then we started going over breathing. Like after your workout, like shutting the nervous nervous system down, breathing in the morning, breathing at night, like, you know, fucking exercising your lungs without actually having to tax them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's a lot of what I do is researching that. And there, there's a lot of, as it actually is a lot of ways to quantify it and test it. Um, we've got a lot of ways to look at it and just another, another variable to play with from a physical performance standpoint, but also from a mental performance. I, I actually travel around and teach a lot of stuff, breathing techniques, but a lot of it is together with mindset techniques. And, and I did stress. a, yeah, understanding stress, understanding performance, anxiety, understanding, you know, how to manage your body and your nervous system. Cause breathing is, is like a remote control to your nervous system. So when you can understand how those things are linked together, it's just another opportunity to optimize that. And, and I find I did a workshop for a group of NHL goalies up in Canada uh, a few months ago. And I, one of them was a 15 year NHL veteran. He's like, and we were talking mindset stuff, sports psychology, but from the framework of breathing. And he was like, you know, I've been playing the NHL for 15 years and nobody's ever talked to me about these things. And uh, so there, there's some really good opportunities there that I think uh, a lot of athletes can explore. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more because, I mean, it's helped me so much. And it's But the thing is, is, like, everyone thinks about, like, the actual physical, doing something, sweating, being out of breath is, like, hey, this is how I'm going to get better. This is how I'm going to get stronger. This is how I'm going to get faster. Like, dude, there are so many, like, like, go fucking sit in the ice bath for 10 minutes. Like, you're going to recover? And, like, dude, there's, like, you got to – then you have to get in your breath work, too. Like, you can sit there and, <laughs> and struggle and, like, yeah, yeah. you're, you're going to get some recovery out of that. But, like, you get some mental process where, like, I'm good here. This is uncomfortable, but, like, I'm fine. And you can breathe in to that area and, and relax. I remember I, I went out to Montauk. XPT did a – Oh, yeah, yeah. A, uh, what would you call it? A seminar? So like a retreat, a retreat out in Montauk. And I went out both days and Laird Hamilton ran me through this breathing exercise, not just me, the group of people. And it was like, you know, inhale, exhales, holds. And I remember one time I was holding my breath and I was like doing the like, I'm <laughs> yeah. all, but I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm a professional athlete. There's average Joes in here who are probably holding their breath. And I was like, I just stuck with it. And then next thing you know, I was exhaling all my air out and holding my breath for like two minutes. And I got this like fucking crazy, like almost high where I was like, dude, this is unreal. Unreal. And I meant to fucking because I recorded like a little bit of it. and I shared it off. I wish I recorded the whole thing. So I had his cadences of it because it wasn't like I have some apps where you do breathing and some of that. But like. This one was – I don't know what happened. Like, well, dude, do you have the XPT app? I don't. We've got – we have exactly what you're looking for. I've got a whole bunch of pre-recorded breathing things of me, Laird, Gabby. They just walk you through exactly like what you went through there. But 
we also have them for specific purposes like pre-workout post-workout all that kind of stuff so that was the goal because a lot of people would say hey i i wish i had you to just guide me through this for 10 minutes and i was like okay well let's let's do that i gotta get it you, you gotta get that because uh, i but have the breathing stuff's super cool because you can when you feel how intense those sensations are and you feel how powerful you can change your physiology with just the breath then i think it opens up the thought process of like well wait well what else can i do if it's this powerful and the thing i always highlight for people is if it's that powerful to create these sensations what do you think's happening when you're not paying attention to it and things are going wrong because you're doing it all the time anyway and it's creating negative effects you're just not aware of them so you can't you can't change them if you haven't become aware of them. So it's a really powerful thing. So this is – if I can get anything out of this right now because, like, I get it. But the thing is, is, like, yeah, breathing's easy, but we start holding your breath and adding a little, like, you know, stress. And, like, it's – it's it definitely takes energy to, like, all right, relax, stop. Like, let your shoulders down, relax, take the time, right? But sometimes you're pissed. You're like, I don't fucking – and like when I talk to people, like, like take a deep breath. I see you're you're jacked up. Take a deep breath from me, or like maybe a girlfriend or my mom or what. Like yo, like dude, it's not the end of the world. Like, do me a favor. Take fucking eight breaths, eight seconds in, eight seconds out, and let me know how you feel. But like people, are like no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm like, you don't like, like how do I make him like? I promise you. You will feel better. How do I fucking tell them that without, like, how else can I say that? I, I think people have to learn it outside of the, the moment of stress. Because if the thing is creating the stress for them, you know, it's like if you came to me and said, I've got huge performance anxiety before I fight. And I was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Next time, right before you fight, we're going to try this thing. And you're like, before you fight, you're already freaking out. So we need to practice it. You got to come to me. We got to. We got to practice, we got to implement, and you got to feel some of it. And it might be, I always start super small. So I give people really simple things they can do. Uh, and then when they start doing those in these like low moments of stress, all of a sudden they start to realize, and that's where like something like the ice bath comes into play is you put people in there and then you teach them the breathing that calms them down. And then you go, hey, guess what? We just created a moment of stress and anxiety where you were tense, you couldn't breathe, you, you were losing control of your thoughts. And then we use the breath to get control of your thoughts and to calm your body down. So let's take that tool and let's apply that to other times when you lose control of your thoughts and your body. And we start to practice those techniques. So you kind of, you know, but it's all about meeting people where they're at first and giving them these little tools and allowing them to feel it. But that's why people know it intuitively. That's why everywhere you see, if someone's stressed out, the first thing they say is take a deep breath because it is that reset point that allows you to switch over from your emotional brain into your rational brain. It, there's so much magic that can happen when you do it properly. Um, but we excuse it. I mean, it's like everybody knows they should be meditating, but how many people actually do? Right. You know? Yeah. We, uh, we want to do the thing that's really hard, but you mentioned something. I think it's really important for any MMA athletes or combat athletes that are listening, which was we want to do the thing that's hard. We want to push really hard. We want to train hard all the time. What I used to do all the time is I would draw out for my athletes what their day looked like, what time they wake up, what time they train, what time they do this. And I would map that out and I'd go, okay, well, so you look at this in total, you're training a lot on Monday, but your total training hours is six hours. 
There's 24 hours in a day. You're training for six of them. That's a lot. Do you really? Oh yeah. That's a shit ton of hours. But I'm just saying at the high end, like most guys probably training more for four, but you know, let's say they have two practices that are 90 minutes to two hours. Let's say it's four hours. That's still a lot for me. If you're doing that for X number of hours a week, I would always try to highlight what are you doing outside of that? You know, do you think Tom Brady just shows up, goes to practice for two hours, and then he's like, all right, cool, I'm the best quarterback in the world? I think he sold he, his – I think he, he might. No, he might. I think he sold his soul to the devil. So Well, at this point, might, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but before, you know, people like that, they're up in the morning, they're doing their mobility, they're, to, they're, they're taking care of their nutrition, they're watching game film and learning strategy. You know, they're, they're be, treating it like a job. There's no job in the world you just – well, there's no – really good job where you just show up for 10 hours and get paid a ton of money and you're one of the best in the world at it. Um, so I would try to help athletes understand that you have to take a more professional approach. It's not just show up to practice and train really hard. Every fucking guy in the gym does that. And they're not all UFC world champions. So if you want to be able to get to this level, uh, you know, you need to take a more professional approach to what you do inside and outside of the gym. And that's where opportunities like, meditating or breathing or ice baths or mobility work or watching, you know, fight tape and learning from watching fights a lot. Uh, those are all opportunities to take a more professional approach and improve your skill set because there's only so many hours you can go a hundred percent. Right. That that's one thing when I look back at my career and how I did things, I was like, is I looked at it so professional is I'm a very like, let's do this right now. Let's, like off the off the jump, like okay, let's just do this, you know. And I sometimes I like doing that, but like my training camp was so I would draw it out, and it wasn't like you're like, yo man, here, here's what you're gonna do, or, or like I designed my every week myself to the best that I thought for myself, and not everyone agreed with it, which sometimes would be like maybe I'm doing this wrong, you know. But like it was wake up, breathe. Breakfast was almost like a workout in my head of like, yeah, this isn't what you want to eat, but you want to win. So you're going to eat this. Then it was train. All right, train hard. Hey, after train, get some kind of recovery. That was like, I try to put that in there. You got to get a second session in. Bang. All right. We got to, you know, make sure you get your your lunch. Sorry, skipped lunch. That was another like workout where, you know, after two hours, I'm like, man, I'm fucking Hungry, but I'm not supposed to eat for another hour. That's what I have written here. You know? Yeah. Eat. And then, all right, we second workout. All right, let's get home. Let's get some – let's try and maybe lose a little bit of weight. Dinner. Let's try and get an ice – you know? Hey, I got to call my, my sports psychologist. Like, I don't really feel like talking to him right now because, like, <laughs> it just – but after I did certain, like after a nice bath, like the thought of a nice bath, I'm like, fuck me. Like anything. Can somebody figure it? Like, can you give me a reason not to do it? And if you gave me anything, like, <laughs> yep, I would run with that, you know? But I do the ice bath. I'd feel better afterwards. And then, like, the next thing, like, all right, fuck, I have to cook dinner. Fuck, I got to grill it. It's not going to be delicious. Yeah. So sometimes when I think about a fight camp, it was like, fuck. Cause I remember when I first started dunning, it was fun, but I guess after eight years, you're like, all right, this is this is for the birds. What'd you say when you first yeah. started dieting? Oh my god, I yeah. was like, man, I'm fucking jacked. I can eat <laughs> just chicken and broccoli, like that's fine. I'm fucking, I'm so ripped. I'm 24. 
You know? It was like a difference. Sometimes I wish I could go back to like the younger mindset that I had. And I, I try to. And I think that's why I retired. So I'm like, man, the drive isn't there anymore. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. It's a job at that point. Yeah. I took all the, cause they were like, oh man, how many times you train a day? I'm like, twice. Like how many hours? Like two. I'm like, that's it. Yeah, like, man, you have an easy job. I'm like, bitch. You have no idea what I went through. It's for those 24 hours. Like when you go yeah. Friday with the bar, like I'm like sitting in a sauna at my house. Like, fuck. Maybe I get some ice cubes later. <laughs> I got I to gotta call, call PJ because I sold my wood. I know it's for my benefit, but like I don't fucking feel like it because I just want to shoot myself kind of. <laughs> you know? Shit. Uh yeah. Well, luckily, you didn't shoot yourself during that I know. amazing career that you had. Oh, shut up. So, PJ, we, we hope we didn't run too far over with you. What it was was it was Cummins. Cummins and Menace were yeah. talking about riding bikes and going to Korean saunas together. <laughs> That's recovery, dude. Recovery. It was yeah, recovery. I like it. I Naked like it. Recovery. No, it's all good. It's all good. I but, appreciate you guys having me. It was awesome chatting with you. But you're I, obviously a genius. No, I so, want more. Yeah, we'd love to have you again. We'd love to even see if we can block off like an hour or something where you could just – Help men out there figure it out, you know, help them figure out their fitness, myself included. Menace obviously fuck, dude. I used to be skinny. Menace obviously has endless questions for you and you can just keep reeling them off, but we don't want to keep you all night. Um Yeah, let, let's do it again. I'd love to jump on with you guys. PJ, where can people find you on the internet? Uh my and the only thing I put out is on uh my Instagram is coach PJ Nessler. And then uh, I put a lot of content out on XPT stuff. So xptlife.com or at xptlife on social media. YouTube channels, no more. I still have my YouTube channel, but I don't post anything on it. I, okay. Now that I work with XPT, I don't, I don't keep up any of that. Uh, Got you. I, don't, I don't have my own business anymore. Got you. Still great content on there, no? Yeah, I, I, all the videos are still on there. So okay. I still have a ton of content on there. How does Menace get the XTP app? Go to the uh, apps and press an XPT. Yeah, go to the App Store, download XPT Life. Free or you got to pay for it? The app is free, but there is a paid version that's got more content on it. Okay. But there's a bunch of free. There's a bunch of stuff on the free version as well. Okay. Okay. Maybe like maybe that. I'll get you. Maybe I'll get you hooked up, Dennis. I don't know. I don't know if I can pull those kind of strings. Right. I'm not that. I'm not that important. Right. But <laughs> oh, I don't I'll see if so I can short. get. You sound like you know what you're talking about, so I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that think you're the guy. Yeah, I'm sure I can get you hooked up if you want to try out some of the breathing. You just got to right. let me know which one. Let me know which ones you do and which ones you like, so we can keep making more of those. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, PJ, for the time. We appreciate you coming on the show. Everybody, be sure to go check him out, PJ Nestler. Whoop, whoop. XTP. What is it called? XTP Fitness. XTP. XPT. X XPT. Yeah. XPT Life is okay. what it's called. XPT Life. PJ yep. Nestler, thank you again for the time. Thanks, guys. See you. Peace, Talk bro. to you soon. Uh, so, one of my favorite things and worst things I love and hate about PJ is like, you know how I'm like a funny, outgoing guy? He's so professional. Like, I'd be in there like lifting with him and I would throw out some jokes and he wouldn't like, he wouldn't even be like, all right, now this. But so I loved it because like, we're scheduled to work out for one hour. We work out for exactly one hour. We didn't fuck around. He didn't laugh at any of my jokes. 
<laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I'm like, dude, you're fucking so cool. Like, let's like, let's not be so professional. Let's like fuck around. Let's like good, good and bad. That's though. what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. I would say more good out of it's, that. He's like a damn robot. And like, I'm like, man, I respect that about you. You, I can't break you. But I here, can't break your character. When you have him outside of the gym, he's very personable, he seems. He was still a damn robot right there. He was? Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> he left his shit. Well, oh, the sauna. Nah, but that's, you know, he, he was on here to throw out some information. So right. But no, but that's that's how he is. Octagon jitters, if you will. Menace in the man jitters there. He's first time on the show. You need to no, feel what we're about. No whatnot. chance. That's that's, that's the him? man. Yeah. Right. And hang on, but I love that about him. He's like, he's a straight shooter. That's what I, I mean, I don't even know if he has feelings. I don't even think anything's funny. That's what I like about you. You're a straight he's shooter. Pr- he's probably not. He probably doesn't get sad. He probably, nothing makes him happy. He's one of those. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. No. But that's like actually funny to him. He gets that little, you get that little reaction out of him. He'd probably be like, you did that because your your serotonin <laughs> levels <laughs> spiked. You see him laughing, his serotonin's high right now. <laughs> 